We want to let people living with mental health challenges know that they are not alone. And we've got to be making sure that we're committed uh, to support those fellow Americans. Because struggling with a mental illness or caring for someone who does can be isolating. And I think everybody here who's experienced uh, this, the issue in one way or another understands that. And welcome to another episode of The Happiness Project. My name is Mike, I'm your host, and I live with mental illness. And as I have mentioned in other episodes of this podcast, I'm going to keep talking about the fact that I live with mental illness because it's my reality. To me, it's normal. And to me, it's no different than any other condition that someone might be facing. The only difference is you can't see it. Not really. So I know that in some past episodes of this podcast, I've taken a somewhat, you know, a reverent look at different aspects of mental health, how to help people, um, what to do if you're suffering, how to talk about it, what words to use. I try to inject a little bit of humor and irreverence into it because that's my way of making it normal. That's my way of not treating it like a monster in a cage. And I, I mentioned that, I think, in, in the first episode where I said, let's not treat this like a monster in the cage. Let's not give it any more power than it already has. So for this episode, I wanted to talk about someone from my past. And I think the tone of this episode is going to be a little bit different because this is a this is a tough one for me. Over the course of my years um, dealing with mental health, I have known people that have succumbed to suicide. I'll put it that way. I don't like to say, I don't like to say it any other way. I know some people say, you know, so-and-so killed themselves. I kind of look at it like this. When someone dies of cancer, they, the cancer sometimes just becomes too strong and their body stops fighting. I don't see much of a difference between that and when someone just becomes tired of dealing with their mental illness. So when I say they succumb to suicide or they, you know, lost their battle with depression or suicide, I, I, I kind of, for me, I kind of prefer it that way because to me, that's a way of saying this person fought, this person did the best they could. And in the end, sometimes it's just not enough. It's a sad reality and it's heartbreaking sometimes, but that's the way it is. So with that in mind, I wanted to talk about someone from my past. Uh, I'm just going to call him Matt. His name was Matt. And I first met Matt when I was working at a big city newspaper. Well, at least a big city newspaper for here in Canada, a big city newspaper in Kitchener-Waterloo, Canada. So I got a job with this newspaper in 2007, and Matt was one of the reporters I was working with on my team. And it was very clear to me right off the bat that 
Matt was an awkward guy, you know, and I, I hesitate to say that because he's passed on. And I don't believe in speaking ill of the dead, but I... I, I mean, I can be an awkward, I can be an awkward socially too. So I, I, I don't think I'm disrespecting his memory by saying that um, Matt had his awkward moments. And the thing that I never realized about Matt was Matt was, I think, really suffering. And I didn't see it because I was younger I was too wrapped up in my own life. At this point, I um, was not married. I didn't have kids. My perspective on the world was very much filtered through my own little, you know, life as a bachelor, so to speak. So you look at life differently. And I'm not trying to um, suggest that people who are living on their own don't see um don't see things through a compassionate or, or empathetic lens. I know they do, but for me, that was my, that was my reality. So as I said, when I joined the team, you know, there was some awkwardness there and I could see it right away that Matt didn't fit in. Matt, uh, first of all, had joined the newspaper, um, coming from America. He was American. So there was that. Um, his, uh, accent was different from the folks in the newsroom because he had an accent from where he was in the United States. He, uh, as I said, you know, a little bit socially awkward, um, and just didn't seem to fit in with some people in the newsroom. So I look back on that time and I think, what could I have done differently? Well, it turns out a lot. And the, the reason I'm talking about this is I'm trying to stress to people out there that. I always say this when it comes to mental health. You don't know what you don't know. Meaning, you have no idea what type of battle someone with mental illness is facing, even if you have a mental illness yourself. Mental illness is a very individual condition. It's different for one person. It's different for all of us. So, I look back on that time, and I wish... I could have been more compassionate. There were times where I made an effort with Matt, engaged him as a colleague, um, tried to compliment him when he wrote a good story, things like that. There were times I tried. But more often than not, there were times where I'm not a proud to say I kind of went with the crowd and, you know, there were, you know, little comments about him behind his back. And for me at that point, it was more important to fit in with the other people in the newsroom than it was to be a friend of Matt. I've had to live with this for a number of years. And the reason I've had to live with it is um, I lost my job at that newspaper in 2009 in the midst of uh, the Great Recession. A lot of newspaper jobs disappeared at that time. Um, Matt also lost his job. And we went our separate ways. And it wasn't all that long after we went our separate ways that I received news from one of my colleagues in the newsroom that Matt had died suddenly in Toronto. And that's all I know. But from what I heard from other people, no one really said anything about how he died, but it was understood how 
his life ended. And it breaks my heart to talk about him in the past tense because I know now he came from a family with its problems, like we all do, but his family had problems. And it's another example of showing empathy always. Uh, you know, I've I, I mentioned that um, I'm a person of faith and as a person of faith and just as a human being, I failed. I failed him by not showing compassion to him. And, you know, there are reasons why I think I could have done a better job. Um, first of all, as a colleague, I greatly respected him. He was a phenomenal reporter. Phenomenal. And I, I often told people that having him on my team made me a better reporter because I saw the type of work he did. I saw the details he got into his story, the questions he asked, the the fearlessness he had. A, a lot of these things I didn't quite have at the same level as him as a reporter. And, you know, I, I, I was secure enough in my skills at that point that I, it's not like I was jealous of what he did, but I sure did look up to him as a reporter. And I thought, man, I wish I could, you know, I, I could do some of the things he did. So as a colleague, I respected him a great deal. Um, and I, I remember after I lost my job at this newspaper and I was at the time working in the federal government, much uh, to my chagrin, I did not want to work for the government. I was absolutely miserable. I wanted to work as a reporter. That's what I trained for. That was my dream. I had worked, you know, as a reporter for 10 years, I had had so many good times and adventures. It was a very fulfilling career for me. And I was miserable. And what happens when I'm in the government? Who was it that reached out to me with an offer to help? It was Matt. Matt had found himself a job with a newswire in Toronto and by all indications was doing phenomenal, phenomenal work because it was very much a nuts and bolts, numbers, research um, type job, like, which suited his personality and his skill set to a T. He was doing fantastic work. And I remember at the time thinking, I can't believe this guy's doing this for me because I really didn't show him the type of humanity that I could have shown him. And that's my failing as a human being, my failing certainly as a Christian. And I've had to live with that. One of the things I do um, is I pray. One of the things we're taught as Christians is to pray for the souls of the, the, the departed. And so one thing I do every single night when I pray, the first thing I do is... I pray to Jesus, who, according to the Christian faith, is the one who will judge everyone. I pray to Jesus to show him mercy because, you know, I, I, whether you're Christian or not, you know that um, suicide is considered a sin in uh, in the Christian faith. And I I tend not to focus on that when I when I pray. I just pray to Jesus to show him mercy. That is my penance for the way I treated him in life. And I, you know, discussed this in confession with various priests over the years because it really, it really does bother me. And it bothers me because 
I've had the shoe on the other foot. I have struggled with my mental health many times in my life. And I would hope and pray that people who possibly may not care for me or, you know, I might not be the, their favorite person in the world would show me more humanity than I showed Matt. So it's a difficult thing for me to talk about. I don't talk about him much. And I, I should mention as well that another thing uh, every night before I go to bed, I pray for consolation. I pray for the families that are left behind to receive some bit of comfort. And I don't know if those prayers, like, I, I, I don't know what good they do, but it, it, it's the, it's the best I can do because, and, and that's an, the other point that uh, I, I want to raise is that I don't know how Matt died, you know, reading between the lines based on what everyone said, I, I have a pretty good idea, but I know there is a family in Ohio. There's a mother in Ohio. There are siblings in Ohio that miss this guy. I know that the the world of reporting and journalism misses this guy because he was such a fantastic reporter and in his own way he really did care uh, it was he was a hard person to get to know there, there's no doubt about that he was guarded and you know after he died I understood why because there was a lot of um, personal issues um, that he had to deal with on his family end um, but you know the whole point of it is when people take their own lives. That's how some people put it, but as when people succumb to suicide, the way I put it, the amount of damage left in the wake of that is immense. The amount of damage and the amount of healing and the amount of pain that's left on the families and friends that are left behind wondering is immense. So I guess my point in telling you all this is I would encourage you, if you know someone who you think is suffering, try and reach out to them any way you can. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to say, you know, it'll be better tomorrow. You don't have to say tomorrow's another day. Can the cliches. Stop the cliches. The only thing you need to, to say to this person is, can I help? Are you okay? Did you want to do something? Keep it as simple as possible especially considering, you know, especially if, if you're not a, a mental health professional like me, I'm not a mental health professional. Keep it very, very simple. And, you know, I, I've made allusions to this in, in my speeches uh, about people um, helping um, people with mental illness. What I encourage them to do is you don't need to solve their problem. You don't need to be, you know, to diagnose the problem or, or solve it. You just need to be there for them or even simpler than that. You just need to be. So that's the story that I wanted to tell about Matt and my own personal failings. I pray, as I said, every night for, for him. I pray every night for his family. And I pray that there are better outcomes for people that were that are in the situation he was in. And better outcomes for the families of people who are suffering, who are at the point of suicide. So... As always, if you know someone that is in trouble or you think you're in trouble, I would encourage you to seek the help of a medical professional or a mental health professional right away in your community. I thank you for tuning in 
so to speak, to this latest ish, this latest episode of the Happiness Project. My name is Mike. We'll talk to you again. God bless. If you have any ideas, questions, or comments about this podcast, there's a number of ways you can get in touch with me. The easiest way is searching Happiness Project Ottawa on Facebook. There you'll find links to my email address, our website, as well as the YouTube channel. I look forward to hearing from you. Music